down to business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Don't shake hands. Brothers got a bug. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Well, Lenny, this calls for the old Billy Barule. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! All right. All right, all right, folks. We should be streaming right now, live on YouTube. Uh, actually, I don't even need the headphones right now. I get the headphones back on when I start playing some actual clips, um, which I will do in just a little while here. But... Um, so yeah, decided to try out YouTube once again, since I'm sort of changing up the format of the show a little bit. So I decided I'd try to change up a little bit. I obviously tweaked the uh, setup a little bit for those of you on YouTube right now checking this bad boy out. You see I tweaked that setup a little bit. Um, I like it. I think it's kind of fun. Makes it look movie-like almost. So anyway, um, there you go. But uh, yeah, anyway, I am David Richardson. Appreciate everybody joining me right here. Whoever's going to watch this, thank you very much. Listeners, thank you very much too. And uh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a good one. This is a true story that I'm uh, actually going to be talking here. And I always like talking true stories. It's easier to <laughs> you don't have to worry about blurring those fact and fiction lines. Most, I mean, most of this movie is true, of course. Like every, um, you know, every. Uh, true story there's a little bit embellishment there's a little fact a little fiction this story is no different really but um i'm gonna be talking in just a few minutes after i do plugs and get a few things out of the way i will uh, be talking 1993 beyond the law about a uh, police officer uh well former police officer who was picked up by the fbi and um set out to take down a biker gang out in the desert of arizona out there a dangerous Bike, uh, biker gang um so we'll be going through all that right there now i did try wednesday night for the wrestling show to use youtube and didn't realize when you use studio mode you have to uh tick the picture over 
to the other side. Um, I didn't know this because I am old and I'm still learning, but I now know that I need to tick the picture over, which means then everybody can see these lovely pictures. And that is the movie I'll be doing in just a few minutes here, which is uh, once again, that 1993 Beyond the Law. You see Charlie Sheen. That's the, this picture we see here is kind of the third incarnate uh, kind of incarnation of what we get out of this movie of uh of charlie sheen and uh the character he's playing the undercover cop you see he's got the almost the, the he's got the beard going he's got the, the mullet going um was trying to look a little uh a little different obviously for the part of the movie and he had to because people were recognizing him he had a charlie sheen has a baby face and they kind of I must they don't poke fun at it in this movie but they kind of make it a point to mention that he's got a little baby face. So, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to keep, uh, keep rolling along here. I'm going to drop that picture off of there. Now you're back to me. There we go. So there we go. I did figure that out. So that's a good thing. And, uh, I'm going to knock out plugs real fast. Don't really, not going to put any movie, uh, or uh, any music behind them. Cause I don't want to get in trouble. Just going to run through them real quick. I want you guys to check out the high marks. That's Cheese Man Mojo and G Wiz. You can check them out here on YouTube and on all the usual podcast platforms. And the Everything Unscripted Wrestling Podcast. That's Eric, Doug, and Daniel. I want you guys to check them out. If you're going over to Blog Talk, that's EUP Network over there on Blog Talk Radio. And check out Anthony and Teddy Grahams over there on Spotify. They are the weekly detour. If you don't have Spotify, you don't want to mess with Spotify. Google them. You will find them in other places like player.fm and other platforms. Check it out. Uh, also, Stephen Milan over there, he's reviewing films too. Over 10,000 films reviewed at letterboxd, B-O-X-D.com slash Stephen Milan. Don't forget to check out uh, Stephen over there. Two L's in his last name, so don't forget to uh, go over there and see what he's doing. And um, there you go. Like I said, that's really all I needed to get done. We are going to be, like I said, talking this movie. Uh, I really, this is one of the, I really like this movie. I really enjoy this movie. It's, um, like I said, first of all, it's a true story. And I've, I just said, I like talking true stories. You don't need to, uh, sit there. And like I said, go through that whole thing on, oh, is it this? Is it that? Is it what's true? What's not? Most of this is true. Most of this movie is a true story. Uh, like I said, some of the names and stuff were changed, like every true story out there, uh, especially ones that involve undercover police officers. Um, but uh, this movie here, roughly 18000 was the budget. I'll be honest, it was hard to find an actual box office on this movie. I don't know how well it did. The critics didn't take wonderfully to this movie as they never do. Um, but, uh, this was a, uh, definitely a, a, a different kind of movie, if you will. But, um, this was a Larry Ferguson movie. Now, Larry Ferguson has done a few, uh, other, uh, movies like The Hunt for Red October. Probably heard of that one. Matter of fact, uh, I talked Rollerball a couple of uh, months ago, a few months ago at this point, the newer 2002. He also wrote that Alien 3, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Um, those are the Highlander from 1986, the original. So he's definitely written some good movies, a few that I've definitely seen and one I've already reviewed. 
So uh, we're right back into the, uh, the whole thing here. And he actually does play one character in this movie. Uh, he actually plays the uh, racist sheriff, which uh, we'll get to. Matter of fact, uh, I can show you a quick picture of uh, what he looks like in the in the movie real quick. We can go ahead and tick that over here. That's him right there, old Larry Ferguson. But um, we'll get to all this, this whole thing or the whole movie. Um, but like I said, I, I kind of got it a little different. I'm not going to go through and do the whole scene by scene, clip by clip. I do have a few clips to play. I'm going to play a few as I'm talking. I'm going to play a few as I go through the movie a little bit. Um, movie's about an hour and 46 minutes, not that long of a movie. I'm not expecting to be on that long, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, I do got a lot of little tidbits and information I hope you all like about this movie. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm kind of looking around here. Let's get a little bit of talking done into the background and a few things of this movie first. Um, and then we'll get into the the meat of the movie. Um, obviously, like I said, uh, you know, many biker films have come out. Matter of fact, this film made me watch the 1991 uh, Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth. And uh, let me tell you, when you watch this movie, and then you go back and you watch that Brian Bosworth movie. I can tell you right now, uh, this movie's a lot better. The Brian Bosworth movie doesn't hold up very well. Um, I like that movie. It's got William Forsyth, who is an incredible actor. I mean, the guy has been in, you know, I mean, started back in you know, the 80s with Steven Seagal. He's been in uh, the, um, he was in uh, Gotti with uh, the Armando, uh, Armando Sante Gotti. Um, been in a ton of movies. This guy even did the uh, uh, the second uh, uh, the first Deuce Bigelow. Uh, the guy can do comedy. The guy can do about anything. He's a really really great actor, William Forsythe. But uh, he can be anything from a fucking madman gangster to a comedic cop, whatever you want him to be. Um, but uh, he's in it, and that that Stone Cold movie. There's been plenty of biker movies out there. Um, even, I mean, even not just about, you know, Harleys and stuff, definitely other biker movies. But this one, again, is unique for the true story that is told. Um, again, names and stuff, as usual, changed in a lot of these true story movies. That's not a big deal, really. But um, it's about the story of uh, Daniel Black, who had actually Daniel Saxon in this movie. Um, now, they do bring up his past of being Daniel Black. He changed that name because he had an uncle who was very abusive. This movie actually starts off with a scene of uh, of the uncle abusing him, tie, handcuffed to a chair. Uh, the uncle would beat him, uh, do all kinds of things. So it was definitely a uh, you know a, a dark beginning, right, in this movie. But he did infiltrate the notorious outlaw. Um, motorcycle club, which they, 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 it's called the Jackals in the movie, which Michael Madsen is the leader of. Uh, we'll get into the actors in just a few minutes here. Um, as we kind of, you know, what we can, uh, we can stop right there and get to the actors real quick. There's really not that many actors we really need to go through. I'll be honest with you. Um, we've got a few in this movie. We've got Charlie Sheen, who uh, we've talked about before on on one of these shows. If you um. We did Men at Work, me and Anthony. But Charlie Sheen, obviously known for so many things. Uh, we saw him as a young kid in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, we've seen him in, like I said, Men at Work, uh, Two and a Half Men, Wall Street, which is another one we've, we've uh, reviewed on this show, the original. Three Musketeers, Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part Duh. 
and so many other things. I mean, the guy has just worked so, I mean, yeah, 87 credits to his name, but back in those days, he, he did some very, very powerful movies. Uh, so Charlie Sheen is in this movie. Like I said, we get a few incarnations of Charlie Sheen. Linda Fiorin, uh, Fiorentino, who, you know, another one who kind of uh, quality over quantity when it comes to her career. Not known for many, many things. Known mainly for this movie, uh, Men in Black. Uh, who She played Laurel, which was the, uh, the woman in the movie, obviously. And Dogma, who she played Bethany, which was the main character in the movie. But I mean, honestly, she's only got 30 credits to her name, but a very, uh, you know, inf- she, what she's in and the parts she plays are very big and the movie she's in do very well. So she really, like I said, it's more of the, uh, the, the quality over quantity. So uh, there we go. We got Michael Madsen. Um, obviously, the last... Uh, Last bit of news I heard about Michael Madsen was back in January, late January, when his uh, his uh, his son Hudson took his own life. Obviously tragic, um, but uh, that's really all I've heard from him right now. Uh, he does have a a ton. My God, he's got so much stuff completed in post production, announced pre production filming. Let's see, completed, one, two, three, three completed, post-production, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, filming two, uh, one in pre-production, and one announced. So we're going to see a lot more of Michael Madsen as the days go out, but I mean, obviously known for Reservoir Dogs, um, it was Mr. Blonde or Vic, uh, Kill Bill, The Hateful Eight. As much as so many other things, Michael Madsen's just a badass when it comes to actors. Uh, we got a few more actors I'm going to go through in here. We got Courtney B. Vance, um, another guy who plays an FBI agent in here. Um, Courtney B. Vance, known for a few things. The Hunt for Red October, as I mentioned before. Dangerous Minds, Space Cowboys. Uh, he was also an American Crime Story Um and uh, been to him, does a lot of TV stuff. Matter of fact, he was in 61st Street, uh, Genius in 2021, Lovecraft Country in 2020. So, and, you know, I was obviously I said American Crime Story from 2016. So he's in there. But uh, so there we go with that, with uh, Courtney B. Vance. And we'll get pictures of all these as we go along. I just want to kind of rattle off who we're talking about in the movie. Uh, we have Leon Rippey who plays Virgil. Now, you have seen this guy. He does not look like he looks in this movie. He's a crazy-looking motorcycle man in this movie. But if you ever seen the movie Gridiron Gang, he is in that. Um, he's in Deadwood. He was Tom Nuttall in Deadwood. So if you watch that show, you, you, you did see him. Um, he was in The Blacklist. He played Hunter in uh, four episodes so this man, I mean, he's done a lot of TV series. He was even in Leverage. If you saw that show back in the day, he was in about uh, five or six episodes of that. But the movie I mainly remember him from after this movie is that uh, that rock movie, um, uh, Gridiron Gang. Sorry, I blanked there for a second. But um, again, we'll get some pictures of all these as we go. We have Dennis Berkeley as Oatmeal. This guy has been in so many TV shows and movies, you don't even, you don't know you know him, but you know him. 
He was in The Doors. He was Dog. We talked about him in that movie. We talked uh, Hollywood Homicide, Stop My Mom Will Shoot. Among 130-some-odd other credits, this guy has been in from TV to movie to just everything in the world and even lends his voice to some uh, cartoons and games. He's been in everything, this guy. And we will. he plays Oatmeal in this movie. And if you want my little NYPD Blue reference there, this gentleman was in one. He played uh, a biker named Pig. Does that make sense? When you see him later, you're going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. He played a biker named Pig. Um, and uh, we've got Rip Torn in this movie. Obviously, I mentioned uh, Rip Torn. I mentioned um, Linda Fiorentino being in Men in Black. Those two did go on to work together, both in Men in Black. Rip Torn, obviously, was the boss in Men in Black. And we've got Reno Thunder, Bogus Charlie, who is only in this movie a couple of times, but the scenes he has in this movie are sort of pivotal to the whole movie. Um, he was in Hot Shots. He was in um, with Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen actually recommended him for this part. Um, he's really only been in eight credits, eight movies, and Hot Shots Beyond the Law are two of the main things that he was in. So... Um, Last thing he did was in 2002, and uh, there you go. So he did pass away in 2003. Um, so there you go. Was born in 1935, so, you know, but uh, makes sense. So there we go. We're going to definitely talk a little bit about Bogus Charlie in this movie, though. So there we go. We got all the actors and actress done, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and get us right now back into some of these little details about this movie. So... This movie, like I said, based on a true story, but it's amazing how they came upon the story for this true story. It was an article published in a Playboy magazine in July of 1981 because you and I and all the other guys out there and girls read read Playboy for the articles. I mean, that's what that's what it's for. It's for, right, the articles. So that's what they did. Um, they found this article in a movie or in the Playboy and, uh, they went through and the character in the story is actually, like I said, named Dan Black. Um, he was one of the technical advisors on the film. He was also one of the extras. I'll tell you, it's tough to pick out which scene he's in, but there is a scene where they're all doing like a, a, a bike run and there's a bunch of bikes. He's supposedly in one of those scenes on one of the bikes. Um, now to add to this, the, this film's, you know, the realism of this film, there was actually a biker gang in Arizona called the dirty dozen who also served as technical advisors. Um, but really, I mean, the main difference in the movie and the truth is the elapsed time in the movie. Sid gets very close to blood in a very, very short time where Daniel Black, the actual undercover agent, this was over an 18-month period before he even got close to making it. But, I mean, we obviously see a shortened down version of, like I said, an hour and 47 minutes. So they had to speed up things. And they did. They went through it. You know, they did some montages and stuff like the... 80s and 90s movies all did. But um, 
it was definitely, definitely, um, you know, more of a true story than most of the true stories you would get into. Um, but luckily, it was Larry Ferguson who read the piece and decided to pick up and do this movie. He loved the story. He thought it was a great story. He thought it was just a whole little, just something that he could dig, sink his teeth into. Now, Playboy was actually sued for this uh, article, which you can still find this article. I didn't pull it up, but it's by Lawrence Linderman, uh, Undercover Angel. They were sued for the article. Um, they were saying that the screenplay... Uh, here's the complaint. It was that it defamed all wives of members of the Oakland and Richmond chapters of the Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club by its descriptions of alleged sexual activities of Hell's Angels brides and mamas. The article described Angel's wedding at the Clear Lake, which I'll, we'll get into, um, as, <laughs> as basically, basically the um, distorted sexual activities. And uh, stated, um, they were stating that the uh, Hell's Angels beat up their women and everything and made them perform unusual sexual acts. I'll be honest, this movie did not get into that. But if you watch Stone Cold, it did get into it. Um, but it, I mean, the article itself did, I guess, put some bad light on what was going on. But, I mean, listen, like I said, if you watch that movie Stone Cold, it's all about that. So, and you know, it's funny watching the movie, I, I'm sitting there talking about Stone Cold and Highlander and uh, Lance Hendrickson was the you know main bad guy in uh, Stone Cold as well as played in Highlander. I just that just hit me right there. So once again we get this police officer. Um, he does get fired. he gets recruited by this undercover uh, operation. And basically, like I said, he's supposed to go in, infiltrate this biker game, get him for game, biker gang, try to get him on arms, drug trafficking, whatever he can. So he is kind of uneventful, doesn't really get much going. Um, it's probably once again because he kind of has that baby face. He he sort of looks like a pedophile in this movie when we're looking at it. And... Um, I, I can actually here. I can grab a. Uh, let me get the. Uh, let me get this loaded up, and I can sneak over to a picture for you guys real quick, and show you what he looked like. Those of you here, and uh, in a minute I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. We'll get to it. Almost there, folks. There we go. Right here. We take that picture over for you guys. This is what he was looking like when he was trying to buy drugs in the beginning. Uh, you see, he's got the little mustache going. He's got the flowered shirt on. Didn't look like a biker. They were pinning him as a cop immediately. Immediately they were pinning this guy as a cop. And as they should have. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> Take that off of there. Um, as they should have. Because he did not look anything but like a cop. So it was probably good that he was getting picked out there. But uh, alright. So we got that. And that was one of the reasons... Um, he was in a bar drinking. He meets Virgil. Again, uh, Leon Rippey. We were talking about him. So um, we go through there, and finally that's when he meets um, Virgil at a bar. And he, Virgil's a mechanic. They're not too shy about doing things in front of Virgil. 
because he's just a mechanic. He's kind of one of them. He's not really one of those guys, you know, that's, you know, in the the, the club, but they he fixes their bikes, so they do need him. Um, and obviously this whole club, the Jackals, is uh, led by Blood, who turns uh, who ends up being uh, Michael Madsen in this movie. Um, but Virgil gets him a lot more entrenched and deeper into this whole biker lifestyle that he was uh, that he needed to get much better into it. But he really fell, you know, he went pretty deep undercover and we'll get into that too um and he also started a relationship with this with with linda fiorentino uh, who plays renee in the movie there was a lot to this movie that really had a lot to i mean he started going pretty goddamn crazy now linda fiorentino plays renee i said that she is actually a photographer who was at that time doing a an article on motorcycle games so Come on back to it a little bit. There's some beautiful bikes in this in this movie. There are some gorgeous motorcycles in this movie. There's a uh, a soft tail uh, ridden by uh, Charlie Sheen that he builds. <laughs> it wouldn't go that way. Um, it, it's an awesome bike. But a lot of the bikes that are out there, you got the the you got the wishbone hardtails and the soft tails, which is mainly what you see out there. Um, but uh, you also got uh, Blood's riding a, a fat boy. Uh, Virgil is riding a soft tail Springer. So, uh, you know, you got the uh, the electric glide out there for the cops. Every bike out there are just awesome bikes. Somehow, a Honda Goldwing made it onto the, uh, onto the scene, like I said, when they're doing the bike run. I don't know how the Honda made it on there, but it made it on there somehow. So... I've always said I love motorcycles. I've said that before on this show and many shows before, but um, I do. I always have. I had a little Honda Shadow a fifth, uh, Honda Shadow 1100, and I loved riding it. I'd go up and down A1A. It was awesome to do. Need to sit. So I love doing that, and it was always a fun time. So, all right, now let's start getting a little bit into it um, as we're going to go down it. So. We're going to get a little bit of it, but like I said, this film, the only way it was mainly embellished was exactly how I had said. Now, we're going to get to a scene where, uh, you know what, when we get to that scene, we'll talk about that. But I don't even need to do that right now. Let me get back a little bit now. We're going to go ahead and, um, man, we could actually start kind of going through the movie a little bit here, but... We can definitely, yeah, we can definitely do that. Like I said, we're not, uh, we don't have a ton to get into here, but we will definitely get into some of it. Now, this story of Dan Saxon is sort of familiar to the life of Anthony Tate. Now, Anthony Tate was not a police officer. He was uh, a part of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club out there in Anchorage, Alaska, and decided that he would bring in a... He got busted for something and said, basically, in exchange for that, he'll bring in uh, ATF or a DEA agent and into the gang, which he did. Now, there was a book written on uh, that he wrote 
actually, which uh, if you give me one second here, I'll get that book pulled up for you. Uh, where'd that go? Here we go. All right. Yeah, here we go. It's this book right here. Um, all about the Hell's Angels right here. Here we go. Pull that book over to your side so you guys can see that a little bit over there on YouTube. And uh, yeah, it was basically uh, Into the Abyss. This guy wrote a book and it was uh, Yves Levine, which was the actual uh, agent that he brought in with him, uh, Anthony Tate did. So again, another true story about, you know, more... <laughs> This isn't the only one. I've got two of these, to be honest with you guys. Two of these uh, books that have been written that these are very, very uh, into. Now, this was uh, a, this is a decent book. I actually found it on uh, Audible also, so you can check it out over there. Now, he went in and actually ended up going in, and really this FBI sting was good. It brought away 38 major members across the United States, including the leader, uh, Sonny Barger, and the two biggest uh, meth cookers that they had. Um, probably could have taken out more, but they were trying to uh, trying to kind of see if they could get any more arrests. They only ended up with 38 of them. Now, that's the one uh, book and story that this uh, has familiar, uh, familiarities to. Also... William Queen. William Queen was another guy who went in, um, and this was another guy, basically the same thing. Confidential informant uh, brought in right here, brought down another motorcycle gang. You can see right here, this one's called uh, Under and Alone. Uh, William Queen did go under, brought in the FBI with him, and really, really did the, about the exact same goddamn thing. Brought down another fucking motorcycle gang, so kind of see a pattern here where these guys end up bringing in but um this guy was a a, a, a veteran law enforcement warrant agent also uh loved motorcycles didn't care for paperwork but a an informant made contact with him and they went into the San Fernandino chapter of the Mongols which if you've ever watched any of those you know TV shows on these motorcycle gangs. The Mongols are a pretty badass bunch, and uh, one of the most dangerous motorcycle games gangs in America. And he didn't realize how much he was getting into, and also didn't realize there were more people undercover than him. And he didn't realize that. Not luckily, nothing really happened. And he, uh, but he did end up taking down a very decent amount of uh, of motorcycle uh, motorcycle guys too in some of those motorcycle gangs. Once again, some pretty bad dudes. So, anyway. Um, let's just uh, keep from there. Wow. I think I can actually go ahead and start uh, getting into the movie a little bit there. All right. I think we should do that. I'm going to drop this over a little bit. We're going to tick that off the screen for a second. So, all right. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and get the... Um, just kind of start going into the movie. Like I said, we, uh, we're going to be talking about the movie Beyond. We're still getting into that movie Beyond the Law. Um, basically, like I said, this movie kicks off and we're sitting there and you see a motorcycle driving across a, uh, a, a desert. 
basically. And like I said, you see the uh, abuse from his uncle, and he's basically in a dream right there. Um, so obviously it starts off, he's already not a very stable person. To be as deep undercover in what he's doing probably isn't the best thing for a guy like him, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. So we go in and he's doing that. He, um, you know, and like I said, he goes in, he starts there. And one of the first things you see is this scene where uh, these guys are doing all this construction work and Bogus Charlie is uh, one of the first things we see here. Now, I'm going to go through a few pictures for you guys. This movie starts, the first thing you see before you see his uncle is kind of a little script in the beginning. I'm going to pull this up. It says, it is too easy to go down into hell. Night and day, the gates of dark death stand wide, but to climb back up again, to retrace one's steps, to open air, to the open air, there lies the problem, the difficult task. Uh, that was by Virgil, the Aeneid, Aeneid, uh, I'm not really sure how to say that, but uh, someone Aeneid. Um, but anyway, that's the first thing you see in the movie right there is that little, uh, that little saying and statement right there. And then, like I said, we get Rip Torn in this movie. Uh, give you a quick little view of old uh, Rip Torn and Charlie Sheen sitting there together. Like, bogus Charlie is shooting at the construction vehicles because they're tearing up the land. And he's not too happy about it. So, start shooting up the vehicles. And uh, we do see bogus Charlie up there on the rocks. And there he is right there. And I'll tell you what, this is going to take us right into our uh, first clip. Like I said, it's not going to be very long. Not a, I mean, it's got some good meat, this movie, and we'll definitely get into it. Putting the headphones on is why I'm stalling. And uh, here we go. Let's go ahead and get into the first clip. Let me make sure everything's going to play. And we'll, uh, we'll go from here. How you doing? Never better. You know, I was thinking, if you gave me that rifle, offered to pay for the damage, I could say you were out here hunting and hit the equipment by mistake. You want jerky? We don't have a lot of time. The state cops will be here in a few minutes. So if you just give me that rifle. Sit down. Whatever you say. You don't look so good, kid. Something bothering you. Something inside, right? Are you gonna give me the rifle? You know, my grandfather told me a story once about a young brave who got scared of his shadow and ran away from it. Look, I told you sit still. Anyway, this young brave found out he was only half a person without his shadow. But to get it back, he had to go down into a dark hole where only shadows live. Problem was, anybody went down there, never came back. You just run out of time, old man. If you give me the rifle right now, we can still keep you out of jail. Something else my grandfather told me. A true Apache had to do. When surrounded, and outnumbered by crazy white men. What's that? 
Give the fuck up. <laughs> and he does. He gives the fuck up. Uh, so that's exactly what old uh, Bogus Charlie does there. He gives up. He just says, screw it. Not going to do this. Um, but uh, there again, with the beginning script I was uh, talking about before. And uh, this is only one of two times we actually see Bogus Charlie. Now, Bogus Charlie tells that story. Now, we never got to finish the story. just want you to remember this. He never got to finish this story. And that is going to be something that we're going to have to, that we will get into again in a little while here. Back to me. Um, so just don't want you to forget that. So we go a little bit and him and Rip Torn are in this little uh, diner. It's a diner. I don't know why I didn't, didn't know what to call it. It's a diner. They're in the diner. And uh, Rip Torn ends up giving him as a gift to cheer him up. This little little badge from when he was a kid. That's going to come into play a little later also. Which is why I mentioned it. You know, I would, method to my madness. You know how it goes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... He kind of tells him, listen, you're looking rough after he does all this. You're looking a little rough. Maybe you should just go kick back, knock back, and I'll cover for you. So he does, and he's sitting there, and of course he's having these little flashbacks um, until he hears and sees a Jeep drive by. And in that Jeep is the lovely Laura Fiorentino. Look at that. Nice little sultry look she's got right there looking good. And uh, listen, let's go ahead and play uh, one more clip here of him basically meeting her and being... He can't he can't even speak is how just enamored by uh, Renee he is in this movie. And here we go. Why did you stop me? Why did you stop me? For speeding. I wasn't speeding. Yes, you were. No, I wasn't. I'm afraid you were. May I see your license, please? You have a nice face. Excuse me? Good bones. Where are you going? It's your hurry, Miss Jackson. What difference does that make? Hey, I'll ask the questions, okay? I'm going to the campground. All this photo equipment yours? Oh, of course not. That's why I'm carrying it around with me. Look, you don't have to be a complete smart. You're going to write me a ticket or what? You hear the rumbling. You can hear the rumbling. This is what he sees coming out of his picture right here. Just motorcycles. As far as the eye can see coming right at him. Just coming at him. So there he goes. Uh, and he's like, what in the hell? He calls it in, tells the lady, tells her to get out of there. Um, and this is where we go into the uh, racist boss scene. Um, and once again, the boss played by Mr. Larry Ferguson himself. I'll pop that picture up one more time for you. And you know what? I'll play a little bit of that scene for you guys, too. Here. Let's do it. Plus 10%. <laughs> And uh, put a little something extra in there for you, Kelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you hear Michael Madsen in the background? <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I really do. No, no, you do. <laughs> now, if there's uh, anything else we can do for you, 
Anything at all? Uh, forget it. Okay, so we got a dirty cop. Uh, Rip Torn is sitting right in the office when he's doing this, and Rip Torn's just giving him a look like, oh my God, you fucking piece of shit. So, now the reason I'm calling this cop racist is because after this, there's a scene where basically Charlie Sheen, first of all, this is the first time him and Michael Madsen meet, and Michael Madsen looks at him and says, you're in my fucking way. And uh, Charlie moves, but this is the first time they see each other. And uh, it was kind of a weird little little moment there, but uh, also a cool little moment. So let me get that off the screen here. So there we go. Now, the reason I call this boss racist is because a little bit after this, they go into the uh, locker room and they're having a little argument about how he handled the bogus Charlie situation. I got to be honest with you. This was not a complete part of my clips, but um, let me pop Larry's picture back up and we'll go ahead and play a, uh, I got a cough. Sorry, folks. I got a bone to pick with you, Saxon. That's a surprise. I heard about what you did this morning. Where the hell do you get off risking your ass over some worthless drunken Indian? It wasn't drunk. All Indians are nothing but drunks. Look at me when I'm talking. Hold it! You fucking crazy, stupid son of a bitch. You're fucking fired. Oh, Bob, don't do that. Shut the fuck up, Butch. I'll fire your ass, too. Is that what you want? That's your call, sir. You goddamn right it is. All right, so there you go. Sorry, folks. I had to sneak a cough in there. And I figured that was the best way to do it and not get caught. <laughs> or not be seen, at least. So there you go. He's fired from this job. So, you know, he goes home. He's chilling out a little bit. Now, right as he gets home... We see, once again, uh, Price, Courtney B. Vance, comes walking up. And uh, it's, you know, just just, just kind of, I don't know. I'm going to get this picture. I'm sorry about that, folks. Like I said, we get Price. He's coming up. And um, let's pull this back up here because we're about to talk. We're about to see Price now. I did say that him and Madsen had a little stare down. I forgot that I had that picture. There's that little stare down right there for the folks on YouTube between him and Madsen, so like I said, they they definitely saw each other before, and uh, now we're going to go, like I said, uh, the FBI picks him up. Now, the FBI knows a lot more about, about him than the police did, and you can tell that right here by this clip. Yeah, I'm Conroy Price, Mr. Saxon, Special Investigative Division, Arizona Attorney General's Office. I have a proposition for you. Does this turtle ever move? What do you want, Price? I'm forming an undercover narcotics operation. I'm looking for a field officer. You're the man I need. How do you figure that? I know everything there is to know about you. Really? Dan Saxon isn't your real name. You were born William Patrick Steiner in Manhattan on June 24, 1966. So there you go. William Patrick Steiner. So we see we have William Patrick Steiner, we have Daniel Black, we have Daniel Saxton, or Saxon, S-A-X-O-N, um, and by the end of the movie, we're going to have Sid, which I'll tell you what that what Sid stands for in, in, in just a minute here, but um, 
this guy had a lot of names. He was you could almost see that uh, the real officer, uh, uh, I guess we'll, we'll just call him Daniel Black, was definitely running from something. Was definitely trying to hide some 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 things that happened in his past. And you're going to hear in a minute when he was six years old, that uncle that was abusing him, he killed him, shot and killed him. So let's get on with this scene right here. I just wanted to kind of prepare you guys. Now, I know I'm playing a lot of scenes in the beginning. These are important scenes that, uh, again, the progression of how this goes from there to, to from here to the end of the movie is very quick. So I'm playing a, a, a not a lot. I, I I've got less than 10 clips left right now. Um, and I'm going to play them as I give some uh, details on this movie. So have no fear. So let's keep going with this little meeting here. Your father was a pipe fitter. Your mother was a full-blooded Chippewa Indian. You were orphaned when you were three and raised by your paternal uncle who was a policeman. Shall I go on? I told you, I'm with the Attorney General's office. Let me give you my card. I'll put it right here. I'll go on. Because she was a Native American, your uncle hated your mother. He locked you in a room, handcuffed you, and beat you repeatedly for the next three years. When you were six years old, you somehow got his gun and shot him through the heart six times. Six times? A court-appointed psychiatrist testified you have no memory of how it happened. Severe emotional trauma, he called it. You know what you did. You just can't remember doing it. How did you find out? I can't take that, but it was no easy task. As you know, the judge in the case sealed your records forever when you adopted. I'm curious about one thing, though. Why become a policeman? It's a strange thing for you to do under the circumstances, don't you think? Then again, maybe not. Well, I think you better get the hell out of here. Oh, wait, let me finish. You gotta leave, or do I have to throw you out? I can find my own way out. All right, so he does kick him out, and uh, basically, you know, he's he's telling, oh, you know, you 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 need this job, you need something to to get your mind right. But there you go. At six years old, shot him. I'm sorry, but there's someone knocking. I don't know if y'all can hear that, but I, I hear knocking. I think it's my dog knocking on the door. Uh, he's, I think he's scratching. Uh, sorry about that, folks. I just I heard it out of nowhere. I'm like, what the hell is that? It sounded like someone knocking on my bathroom wall. You know what I was looking at there. Anyway, um, so yeah, he uh, he tells me you need this job. You got to get it. But yeah, six times ended up shooting that. I go through the heart. Whew. Guy's a good shot. Kid was a great shot, obviously. So there we go. That that was uh that was him meeting Price. Now, as I had said, he goes through. He does end up taking this job, which he ends up meeting him. Now they meet in this little kind of desolated part of the desert, and uh, this is where they're going to start doing all the drops. So that's fine. They're doing all the drops there in the desert, and um, but he does end up taking the job. And he goes through, and like I showed you in that little, you know, he, he starts going through, changes his appearance a little bit. Like I had showed you in that one picture, uh, he he's not doing very well. Doesn't look much like, well, he looks like an undercover cop. 
in this picture. Like I said, he's got the fucking, just the mustache going. He's got the flower shirt going. Not awfully convincing uh, in this scene right here. And he's going through, he's getting a little bit here, a little bit there. He's getting like quarter ounces and shit like that from people of, of weed and stuff like that. Nothing big, nothing major. And then he goes into a bar, you know, because he's getting, everyone's just fucking with him. They know that they know he's a cop. They know he's a cop. They know he's a cop. They're laughing at him. They're laughing at him. So he's in a bar and he meets Leon Rippey. He meets Virgil and it's probably the best thing he ever did um, is meeting Virgil because Virgil kind of befriends the guy. Virgil, he's, de- like I said, he's definitely important to the bikers. First of all, he, he's not 100% sure this guy's a real cop <laughs> at all. He, when he deputizes Virgil, it's it's that little tin badge he got from Rip Torn at the at the uh, at the diner. So there you go. But I'm gonna play this little meeting between him and Virgil. Like this is where he first meets Virgil, Leon Rippy, and um, let's knock it out. Name's Virgil. Get shit faced to keep drinking that fast, man. I hope so. You know, I, uh, I couldn't help but notice how much money you're dragging around. I needed to buy dope. Oh, you know, I figured you for a dealer right off. Listen, wrong, Virgil. I'm an undercover narcotics officer. All right, now we're talking about the progression being a little embellished and a little sped up. I don't think even drunk he would blurt out that quick to someone he doesn't even fucking know that he's an undercover narcotics officer. He would get ki- he literally could get killed telling this man that where he's at. But he got lucky. Virgil, like I said, is kind of used by the 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 motorcycle club doesn't really fit in and he knows they fuck with him and i think he kind of feels like an outsider and was looking to get uh some help and wanted to do this so play a little more of this meeting here (laughs) get the fuck out of here you're a narc Wasn't I'm not saying that you are, but uh, if you was, you could get your ass dusted for talking about it. Yeah, what the hell's the difference? Bust. All right, so to not, uh, hopefully, not get a copyright on this with that music in the background, um, I'm going to kind of skip over that part a little bit. Now, they go through a little bit. Like I said, Virgil is definitely willing to uh, to help him out here. Now my dog wants to go out. And you start telling him, you know, they need me. I can uh, I can get you in there. I can do this. But, you know, you really got to get a little rougher, a little tougher. And basically, like I said, he deputizes Virgil with the little tin badge. And there they go. I can actually. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I forgot I had that still up on the screen. I apologize for that. So, so he deputizes him with the little tin badge. 
And there you go. Virgil is now the man. Now, there's a part that I'm going to get into in a minute where Virgil talks about uh, as they're going through, they, they do the motorcycle building montage. Um, you know, they pull out from, they build this bike from a chassis up. And uh, don't worry, I got a picture of the, mo- it's a gorgeous motorcycle when they're done with it. So, but at one little scene in the movie, Virgil talks about some of the codes that he's going to have to learn in order to basically stick with this biker gang and not get fucking killed. Um, So let's go ahead and uh, grab one more little clip here of Virgil talking to him. And I'm going to let my dog out of the room. So give me one sec here. I'm going to play this clip. And we're going to get this going right now. Sorry, folks. Here we go. Bikers, man. And then there are jackals. Jackals is the fucking cream. You don't got to be a rocket scientist to get close to them. They only got a few rules. Most important is stomping. Stomping means somebody hits a jackal. He's going to have 30 of them on his neck. A dude asks a jackal to get out of his house. He's going to come back with an army and stomp the bastard to death. All right, so there you go. That's uh, pretty much one of the codes of the ga- of the, uh, the uh, biker club. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the biker club. I know they don't really care about being called a gang that much. So there you go. Now, as he's going through and uh, talking to uh, Daniel here, as Virgil's talking to him, he um they they kind of go in and um, he starts getting. A little better looking, finally. He's getting some stuff uh, worked out with his beard. He's got the hair growing long, finally. And um, just uh, finally getting the look going. And they get this bike. Oh, this bike. Here's the bike. (laughs) Oh, look at this gorgeous bike. Oh, this beautiful soft tail they make. Now, there was a point in there where they were spraying red. Now, there's not one touch of red on this bike. Now, you can tell me it was a primer. That's fine. I'll believe it. But uh, I don't give a shit. This bike is absolutely... Ah, my God. I would kill for this fucking bike. It is absolutely beautiful, this motorcycle. So, there you go. That's This is the motorcycle they get. And, um, you know, he's letting them, you know, get used to riding a motorcycle and do this and do that. But uh, after that, they... um. Sorry about that. My eye was itching. After that, finally Virgil needs to get him ready. And they and in order to do that, first what he does is he gets him a jacket. And the jacket he gets him is the Pythons. Is the motorcycle club now. It's a made-up club, but no one's going to fucking know. Now, he, they do point out at one point that uh, he puts the 1% on his... Uh, patch on his uh, vest now that is the one percenters it actually says that he is part of the out the, the brotherhood now he identifies the jackals as top dogs which is definitely why he's going after him because these guys are also part of that now the brotherhood is kind of a thing where they get you get like stems out of them like these guys would be a like like a chapter of them. So um here we go. Let's um 
let's go ahead and start there. And we're going to do this little clip on the one percenters. And uh, that'll kind of go into everything from there. This means that you are a member of the totally zoned out, fucked up, badass, outlaw motorcycle brotherhood. And this little space right here, now that's where your name goes. And what do you want to call yourself? Bikers all got nicknames. How about if I call myself Sid? Sid. Now he holds up Sid. Now the reason he wants to call himself Sid is because it stands for the Special Investigative Division. So he decides to call himself Sid. Whatever. Um, so anyway, there's another... This is what the, the, that, that was his little explanation on that. Now, he also takes the jacket out and pisses on it. Don't worry about it. It's just something they do. Now, another little scene in here is uh, he's going to go through. Now, uh, actually, let me get a few more things here now. Virgil definitely has, like I said, he's got a lot of knowledge on what goes on. They really, he's a good mechanic for him, so they just kind of take him everywhere. They don't care about doing business in front of him. They don't care about doing drugs in front of him. And, you know, that's just kind of the, kind of what they do. Um, but, you know, he's doing things he's not supposed to have. You know, Daniel told him no carrying guns, no carrying this, no committing crimes. Well, the first fucking thing he does is the first thing Virgil does is he steals a car. And he basically kind of takes on, um, he tries to get him ready for going to the first meeting that they have. Now, again, he just took on this persona as Sid. I just told you what that was from, from the Pythons of Cleveland. Now, you know, by the end, he's, uh, by the end of this movie, he's actually ready to, because blood saves his life at one point. He's actually ready to, like, warn blood and get him out of there, which probably wouldn't have been a fucking good idea. Um, But, uh, all right, let's go a little more. Uh this is kind of their first meeting, but first thing Virgil does is he steals the car and he basically takes takes Charlie Sheen on a fucking run and finds out he's crazy enough to to do what he's doing. And uh, they go. As Virgil says, well, get your shit together. We're going to a fucking wedding. And they go to a fucking wedding. And uh, this is where he uh, Sid starts getting in pretty good with uh with some of the uh the biker gangs and this is when we first see oatmeal um and uh you know what let's go ahead and play this clip they're doing a he gets guns he tells me ready buying wants to buy guns so they go do a little bit of shooting he steals a piece of dynamite and uh this is the scene we're gonna play here we go right now wrong bullshit man fucking hit a can it fucking moves the fucking can didn't move what are you calling me a liar i'm calling you worse than a liar i'm saying the pythons are sissy ass club and you are a chicken shit dog motherfucker what the fuck you doing man i'm gonna try again oatmeal i want to make sure the can moves this time jeez what are you fucking nuts <laughs> Woo! 
So there you go. I got the picture up here for everybody to check out. He's got the water splashing down on him. We see this is the other, the last incarnation of Sheen in this movie. We saw babyface Sheen. We now see, we, we saw uh, pedo mustache Sheen. And now we're looking at badass biker. Look at those fucking leather. Dude, if you've got leather on your sunglasses, you're kind of a badass. I just say you're kind of a badass. And he's got leather on his fucking sunglasses, folks. Whatever that tells you right there. So there you go. Now here, we're going to play a little more of this scene because this is where he also meets blood in the first thing and to kind of play that a little bit. Stupid son of a bitch. I'm going to kill you. Who the fuck are you going to kill now, Bubba Guts? Oh, Jesus. Who? I don't mean that the man. Okay, who set off the fucking dynamite? I did. It was just a... Virgil, shut your mouth. Who the fuck are you? Well, his name's Sid. What the fuck did I just say to you? Shut up! Absolutely. What's going on, Sid? You rat fucked my colors. Yeah, hey, just screwing around. Give him the back off, blood. What are you gonna do? I think I'm gonna shoot him. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, so at this point right here, they take Linda Fiorentino's character, Renee. They take her away. All right, get her out of here. And uh, Madsen pulls the gun. You shoot him and I'll blow your motherfucking brains out. Nobody lives forever. That's a fact. Now shoot the fucker. Oh, God. Oh, no, Jesus. I was just I was just fooling around. I didn't mean nothing. I kiss your fucking colors, man. I like your colors. I love your fucking colors. Your colors are wonderful. Oh, Jesus, I'm being here! <laughs> <laughs> so he starts pissing himself, and they all start laughing. Ha ha. Big, uh, big guy pees himself. So they all laughed, and uh, <laughs> that was that. Um, so there you go. So... They actually, you know, they 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 kind of start to get along, and Michael Madsen actually tells him, "Listen, it's uh, kind of different here, because usually I'd blow your fucking brains out for what you just did to oatmeal." And he's like, "Well, whatever." And even Madsen says at one point, "Did haven't we met before?" And Sheen gives this little look at him, and he tries to act tough, and he goes, "Trust me, if you met me, you'd fucking remember." <laughs> So anyway, uh, we keep going a little bit here, folks. Um, it's just always funny to hear uh, Charlie Sheen try to act tough, even looking tough. He just can't act tough all the time. Um, so we have this little wedding up there. It's interesting. Um, it's an interesting wedding. I'll just put it that way. But uh, they go through and now... He talks to Blood, and like I said, Blood has a little talk with him. And he also goes and sits with Linda Fiorentino. Now, remember, he had pulled her over, and she she recognized him. She said, trust me, you don't look anything like you used to. And he's like, can you shut the fuck up? I can get killed doing this. Well, like I said, she also becomes his love interest. They end up... Um, so the next day comes, and basically Sid's riding with him. And they bet Sid 50 bucks he won't go into this fucking redneck bar. Ride his bike right into it. 
he does. Drives right in there, not a problem at all. And I bring this up because there's a part in the bar where Sid and um, Michael Madsen are fighting now. Obviously, I just said, I, you know, most people know I've got a, a wrestling podcast also. And this just reminds me of when Carl Malone and DDP were back to back. These guys are back to back throwing punches in the redneck bar. Uh, you know, so they're getting along. They're definitely getting along um, pretty good. They're getting along pretty good in this little uh, this little bar and everywhere else. So there you go. Another little scene we go to after that. We're going to go down and uh, he ends up at another a strip bar called The Whole Thing. This is the strip bar they go to in this movie. And um, he's talking to Blood, but he also sees Renee over there. She's playing pool. And I bring this up because he makes a bet with these two guys that uh, for 50 bucks that she can beat both of them playing pool. Well, they get pissed when she does. And he gets into a fight with them, takes them both. I bring that up because that's an important part later where blood saves his life. They end up going home that night. Those two, uh, by that, by those two, I mean, uh, Sid and Renee. And there you go. Now she tells him at this part, she tells him, I have a daughter and he's like, well, I want to meet her. And she's like, I don't know how good that would work. But anyway, brings him home to Sid anyway. And uh, here you go. This is where Sid meets her daughter, Mary Bet. Not Mary Beth, Mary Bet. What are you doing? I am creating something. What is it? No, it is not a mess. It is an old secret recipe that is no longer a secret. Uh, we have the vanilla ascoin. And we have some melted peanut butter and grape juice, press on clothes, juice devant. And a personal favorite of mine. Come here, pick a hand, oil and cookies. But I prefer them crushed. <laughs> and we pour all the crushed oils into the melted peanut butter. And we continue to crush them. So there you go. Very good with the daughter. Um, she likes the little drink he creates. And um, But you can also tell, I mean, right before the daughter came, the guy is still having his little, his flashbacks and everything. So still pretty, pretty fucked up. So anyway, we keep going a little bit through this movie. And Price is price is one of those guys that just i mean he's buying drugs he's buying guns he's getting everything he needs and they also show him continuing his relationship again this is over an 18 month period and we're supposed to just digest all this in an hour and 47 minute movie um so like i said they do a couple montages he's buying drugs he's riding around the, the you know mary bet on the motorcycle he's trying to be him and he's also trying to be Sid um so he's trying to be Daniel and he's trying to be Sid which never is very easy to do so he's going through and price though 
Price seems to be moving up in the ranks as things are going good with Daniel. Um, so this is the other point right here. There's a point in this movie where, where Michael Madsen actually asks Sid to be in the Jackals. Now, as this is definitely an embellished part, probably was a little bit exa exaggerated, but when he literally what we would have to what he would have to do here is called a patch over. So if he did join the Jackals, he would have to literally patch over not just him, but the whole gang would his whole Python's gang would have to patch over before he was offered a position in the Jackals. Now, the reason he can't take a position in the Jackals is because you have to commit a felony also in front of the Jackals. So that's another reason. Now, I'm about to come up on a scene where we do the run, the the uh, the um, the motorcycle run, where it's all these motorcycle gangs together, uh, or clubs, excuse me, together. And there's... A, a little part where he drives his motorcycle all the way up and rides beside blood. Ain't no fucking way that would happen. <laughs> no way that would happen. Um, it just wouldn't happen. It's a, a, he's not even a member. Uh, he would probably get his ass kicked. They would probably pull over and beat the living fuck out of him at the, at that point, to be honest with you. So, all right. So there we go with that. Um, so, all right. Now, again, you can see, like I said, he's starting to get deep and deep and deep cover, um, undercover and kind of losing track of who he is and who who he needs to be. Um, but, uh, all right, here we go. Let's go ahead and go a little bit here and we'll go ahead and roll into the next. Uh, like I said, that's the whole thing where he tries to join the Jackals. Now, smartly, Sheen says that he needs to think about it because he's got people that are expecting things of him. But this is also where he does drugs because they get pissed at Virgil for taking him every time he needs him. So he ends up doing some crank or meth, whatever they're cooking out there. But he goes to Price now. Price is rising up in the ranks and he's all proud of himself. Basically, this guy is a fucking glory hound who's getting his fucking glory off of fucking un the undercover agent's back and Daniel's getting nothing for this except a fucking headache and being driven further and further into insanity. So now, in this little meeting they have, he tells him he's losing his fucking mind and wants out. And all this guy says is, look, Washington called me. By the way, they want to put an undercover in there. He says, oh, hell no. You're not putting an undercover in here. So as they're going with that, him and him, the his relationship with Renee is even more strained and they go on this poker run. Like I said, we have the little scene where he's driving up front with blood. It's just basically a montage of motorcycles where somewhere in these scenes, we're not sure where is the real Daniel Saxon, Daniel Black, whatever you want to call him. Now they did put the undercover in here and he was spotted almost fucking immediately. Almost immediately. This guy was spotted here we go. Where'd you get your scooter at? Get your fucking hands Fly off me, man. I'm killing you, motherfucker. Take your fucking hands off me. You belongs to a brother of mine. Pizza, you shit, fucker. Break your fucking You know what you are, you fucking pig. Big chicken, motherfucker, that's what you are. I side, what the fuck is going on over here? This worthless piece of shit's a fucking cop. 
I know the scooter belonged to a brother of mine. FBI confiscated it over two months ago. Okay, so right here, this poor cop, if you're looking right here, he looks scared to death. Um, so Sid just jumps him, just jumps him, beats the living hell out of this cop. Now, it it may look like a brutal scene, but if you understand what these guys would have done to him, he probably saved their life. Now, he gets up and not only does he get into the face of, like, beats this cop's ass, he gets into the face of Price. He gets into the face of, he spits in Price's face. Um, Just, and literally, and they leave. He They leave. He calls them pieces of shit, spits in his face. He's trying to keep his fucking cover. He's trying his best to keep his goddamn cover. He probably saved this undercover cop's life by beating his ass the way he did. He probably did, and this and this undercover fucking knows it. And I'll and and we'll show you that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, that that's how they got it right there. Now, after he beats this cop's ass, it's the first time Virgil kind of looks at him like, "This guy really a fucking cop." Kind of gives him that look. So right after this. Uh, we get another part where they're going to buy some drugs, him and Virgil, and they end up with these two guys out of this uh, out of this uh, rival motorcycle, the the Dusters Club, and um, they end up going with these two guys right here, and they're in there. They give them a ride, and the guy wants to fucking basically shoot up in the car, and they don't freak out, but the guys start getting nervous. When they start talking about Cleveland, because that's where the Pythons were out of, and Sheen don't know shit about Cleveland. Well, he takes these guys, and he oh, let me get this picture off. Sorry for sorry for that, folks. He takes these guys, gets them out of the car, beats the living hell out of them, throws one against the. I mean, literally puts his head, kicks the door off the fucking car, throw puts his head against the fucking back to trunk, beats the hell out of these two guys. And then they got a cop behind them. They're trying to stick this fucking needle in um, Sheen's uh, neck. And they're driving all over the place. Sheen gets out, does this all right in front of a police officer. Um, and uh, finally he gets up and he just points the gun at the police officer. And boom, right there. And he goes, I have an idea. Let's shoot each other. And Virgil, this fucking tough biker, is fucking scared once this cop leaves. Now, you know, you'd, you'd think Virgil uh, ain't no big deal, but uh, nope. So there you go. Virgil decides he can't do this shit no more. And that's it. He leaves Virgil. Um, he, Virgil throws the little tin badge at him and he leaves. 
But he's got a cop on his ass, Sheen does. And this cop ain't taking no shit because you got to remember what he just did. He just did that, pulled a gun on a cop. This cop goes up, brings him right to jail. Now, I did say that there was another scene where we see Bogus Charlie. Now, we also heard in this scene that his mother was Chippewa Indian, which means he's got some Indian in him, which is why he kind of has a kinship with, with these Indians. But he sees Bogus Charlie, and he, remember, remember what I said, Bogus Charlie never finished that story about the shadow. And we probably should finish that story up a little bit. What do you think, guys? So he goes to jail and asks for a phone call, but the first guy he ends up seeing is Bogus Charlie in that jail. So, here we go. You gotta give me a fucking phone call! Sit down, kid. There's nothing you can do. Charlie... Bogus Charlie? I know you. You told me a story about an Indian who ran away from his shadow, remember? Oh, yeah. You don't look like the same. Why did you tell me that? Why did you tell me that? I, I don't know. Jesus Christ, you're joking me. I'm sorry. story what happens to him he goes down into the hole and finds his shadow a moon woman sews it back on for him but before he can climb back out he has to meet look kid it's just the story is the after meet death So we heard that he asked to go meet death. Now, could mean a lot of things. Doesn't really tell him death could be blood. Blood, I mean blood by the leader of the jackals. It could be anyone. Um, but after this, he ends. He does end up getting out. And he ends up going home. He ends up seeing Renee. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> now, remember, Renee is a photographer. Well, she's down in her little... Uh, basement thing down there uh what do you call those places developing laboratories what i don't uh, uh forgive my brain so she's down there <laughs> developing film in her developing dark room dark room dark room yes that's the name of it a dark room yes click light on. she's down in there in her dark room and, uh, you know, she's doing that right there, developing all these things. And she notices in one of them, his shadow didn't come out in one of the pictures. And he gets a little nervous and gets out of there. Then they show him talking to Price. And, I mean, he is losing his fucking mind. You can see it. He's getting deeper in and deeper in. Tells Price, you know, fuck everyone and fuck you. I don't care what exactly you're fucking being called up for. It doesn't matter to me. I'm the one breaking my ass and going fucking crazy. And he is. Well, after that, he goes to Bloods. Blood scares him a little bit. Pulls a gun on him. But it's not loaded. Just still scares him a little bit. And um, they do sort of pull him out. They're ready to start pulling the trigger and make some fucking arrests. Now, before this, though, again, we get... I told you to remember those two guys he got into a fight with at the bar. 
him and Blood are leaving the bar, and these guys attack him. Blood basically says, oh, no problem, man. I'll, I'll go get the car. You guys do what you got to do. Well, they were going to kill him. Blood ends up coming up behind him, beating his ass, saves his life. This is where he actually was like, shit, I might need to fucking warn this guy. I mean, he saved my life, you know, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, but the cops end up ready to make arrests. And right before they make arrests, though, they go in to a store. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Make sure I'm doing this in the right order. Yes, they go into a store. And remember what I said to join the jackals, you have to you have to commit a felony in front of them. Well, they go into a store and they basically force Sid to do that, exactly that, commit a felony. Well, Sid doesn't really want to do it. And he actually now he doesn't blow his cover here. But he does kind of, he's against of what they're going to do. They end up robbing the store and killing the girl. And he's not fucking with that shit. And basically, Michael Madsen puts a gun to his head like, dude, you just fucking stepped on your fucking meat. I would have fucking given you everything. My club, my fucking bike, everything. And now he has no where he stands. So Sheen's freaking out a little bit, kind of has some flashbacks here. And, um... From here, this is where they're ready to start making arrests. He's like, look, I saw him murder somebody. You got to take him down. I'm not going back. They have a meeting. And they finally introduce Daniel Saxon to everyone. Now, the first guy, first guy he sees when he's in this little meeting and they introduce him. I'll, uh, You know what? Let me play the meeting. And I'll show you the first guy he sees. I'll pause it at that point. State agencies are represented here today, along with the FBI, Drug Enforcement Agency, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and the U.S. Treasury. Gentlemen, at precisely 11 p.m. tonight and continuing through dawn, an unprecedented number of arrests will be made in California, Arizona, and Nevada. These arrests will be staggered by location and time to minimize the possibility of alerting any of the suspects. The significance of this many arrests over such a vast area is awesome. It represents a substantial blow to organized crime in Arizona, and it is the result of one man's dedicated effort. An effort expended, I might add, at considerable personal cost. Now, you've all heard by now that we've had an undercover officer deep within the outlaw motorcycle community. But I think you'll be surprised when, in fact, I know you will be. His name is Daniel Saxon. Dan okay, so he comes walking out. The first three guys he gets a view of is the guy's ass he kicked, the guy he pulled a gun on, and the cop that took him to jail. That's the exact people right there that he sees. That's the first three people he looks at. So what do you think he's thinking? Oh, fuck. I might get my ass kicked right here. These guys may walk out. Well, not exactly. They see him. First guy. And they start clapping for him. 
first three guys to clap are those three guys that uh, that know what he was doing. He he was deep under. This guy, 100% knows he saved his life. These guys were fucking going to kill him. He was dead. He was dead. They were going to fucking kill him right there. They didn't care if cops were there. Someone would have went to jail for it. They would have stomped his ass, uh, as Virgil was talking about in the beginning here. Um, the other, I mean, it, it, the guy was just trying to keep his cover. That's all he was doing. And cops understand that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he thought he was fucking getting, I'm sure, sure thought no one understood, but they do. They do. So pretty good right there. I'm sure that was a, uh, a good feeling knowing that these guys understood what he was doing. And, um, there you go. So basically by the end of this, the only thing he wants is for him to be the one to arrest blood. And he does. They finally, they say, look, you got five minutes. You go in. He goes in. He starts talking to Blood. He gives him the name. He's like, listen, I'm really not down with what the fuck you did. You know, blah, blah, blah. He says, this girl's name was this. She wanted to live. And he tells Blood, you've seen me before. And he pulls out his old ID. And on that is the picture of him when Blood first saw him, that first picture I showed you guys, which I guess I can kind of go, you know what, I I can go back to that a little bit. Give me a second, I'll flip over to it and pull that back up one more time here. Um, That was the the next picture. That that was the picture on his ID was that young, the the picture of the young... um, the young Charlie Sheen, which, you know what? I don't even have that picture of the young Charlie Sheen. So anyway, um, but he, and he's like, and guess what? I'm still in your fucking way. Like I said, that was what he said to him. You're in my fucking way. So there you go right there, folks. Um, he goes in, blood pulls a gun, he shoots him. And if you want to know what really, what, uh, what ended up happening to this whole, uh, motorcycle gang or club, well, here you go. Now, this movie was also called Fixing the Shadow. Uh, actually, overseas it was called Fixing the Shadow. And if you go to download um, uh, subtitles, it's known as Fixing the Shadow. So, Because it took me a while to figure that one out. Um, you're going to see that at the top right here in just a minute, those of you on uh, YouTube. And uh, here you go. Let's find out what happened, everybody. The story you've just seen is true. Some of the names and locations have been changed, but it's true. Over 200 people got busted out there in the desert. Blood's doing three consecutive life terms. The real Dan Saxon lives with Renee somewhere in Northern California and appeared as an extra in this movie. Me? There still ain't nothing about a scooter that I can't fix. And I guess you could say that I'm pretty much all right. (laughs) So there you go. Um, Listen. Great movie, great true story. I I I really look. Nineteen ninety three again. This was right. This was only a couple years after Stone Cold had come out, which was a little ridiculous of a movie. Like I said, doesn't really hold up. But this movie here is a really good movie. Like I said, it's a true story. It's something you can sit there, you can watch, you can, you know, it, it goes very quick. You know, for an hour and 47 movie to get into everything they got into, that's pretty goddamn good. Um, but, uh, and and they do, they go through everything pretty fast. And uh, I just think it's a really good movie. Um, I'm trying to give you less 
clips and less detailed. So you watch this. I want y'all to watch this movie. Um, it's a great movie. Back, like I said, from 1993. But, um, you know, not a lot of real deep uh, trivia into the movie. Um, like I said, it was released in the UK. Fixing the Shadow was the um, was the name of it. There's not really much more to get into with this. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I missed, but there's really not. There's really not, but um, it, it's definitely, like I said, it's a cool movie to go through. It's, like I said, it's kind of the way he rises up in the ranks of this motorcycle gang. If they were that, you know, that bad of a motorcycle, they're not going to trust someone as quick as this movie is. But again, 18 months, I could see that's a year and a half. That's one guy and another guy vouching for him who I'm sure they never thought Virgil was going to be this uh, kind of a, a, a snitch. So I don't know. I think this is a great movie though. I definitely think you guys should uh, probably check it out if you haven't um, for a while there. It was on Netflix, which means it'll probably be back on Netflix sooner rather than later, but great movie, Larry Ferguson. Um, And uh, that's about all I really can, uh, can say just uh definitely a movie you guys should be checking out and um that's it i think i got into everything i need to with this movie i appreciate everybody who's gonna watch this i appreciate everybody who's uh who's gonna listen to this i'll get this bad boy put up but uh thanks a lot everybody i hope if you do watch this movie you enjoy it and if you do enjoy it let me know you guys can get me right here on YouTube. You can go to Facebook and find Hollywood Hangout. And, of course, you guys can always join me on Wednesday night if you happen to be wrestling fans. Me and Smark are over there talking the wrestling on the the uh, wrestling outlet. Um, still haven't got Mixler working, but um, this is working for me right now. So, all right, folks, I'm going to uh, go ahead take off but uh thank you all for joining me and uh look we wrap this up in about an hour and a half not bad at all and um i think that was perfect so there you go everyone see ya